Welcome to Lessons for Living Television. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for joining us this week. You know, the happiest country in the world isn't in the tropics, as you might expect, but rather it's known for its snow-covered peaks and delicious chocolate. Switzerland. Switzerland took the top spot in the 2015 World Happiness Report, which is a ranking of 158 countries by the Sustainable Development Solutions Network, or SDSN, a network of leaders from uh, academia, uh, governments, and the private sector that was launched by the UN, by the General Secretary Ban Ki-moon in 2012, to address sustainable development. Switzerland is the happiest. It's trailed by Iceland, Denmark, and Norway. All four countries scored between 7.5 and 7.6 out of a 10 for well-being, and they say that the differences in scores are not statistically significant. Rounding out the top 10 happiest countries in the world are Canada, Finland, the Netherlands, Sweden, New Zealand, and Australia, all of which scored 7.2 or higher. Now, not too long ago, American Express Canada conducted a survey and it has revealed the top five responses they got when they asked, what small things make us Canadians feel happy? The five things were this, in this order, finding forgotten money, Number two, additional savings at the checkout, hotel or flight upgrades, four, free parking, and number five, my favorite, the person ahead of you paying for your morning coffee. Someone said Canadians are not only polite, they're also easy to please. Well, our study today is going to present us with a woman who is searching for happiness. She's been around and around, riding the merry-go-round of life, and she's worn out from it. One day, Jesus showed up outside her little town. She meets him, and he opens her eyes to the fact that happiness is possible, that a new life is possible. A life that is free from the burdens and the problems of, of this life and that she is now experiencing. Jesus is going to take this jaded, hardened woman and he leads her to a place of trust. The story is found in John's Gospel, chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? 
who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman came to Jacob's well to draw water. Water. She did not come with all the other women. She came to draw water in the afternoon. Most of the women would come early in the morning. They came while it was still cool. She came in the midday. History tells us that it was about a mile from town to the well where they came for water. Now, drawing and carrying water for the day was hot, sweaty work. And while they were there, they would catch up on the local goss gossip and would enjoy a few minutes by themselves away from the pressures of living in a male-dominated society. Now, why did this woman not come with the others? Well, verse 17 tells us that she is a woman of much experience. Uh, perhaps she had been with men who belonged to some of the other women. Perhaps she was often the topic of the gossip as they drew water from the well. When she meets Jesus and wants to tell the people of the city that the Messiah has come, Interestingly, she does not go to the other women of the town, but she runs to the men. Verse 28 says, So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men. You see, it would seem that this woman was an outcast socially. Most Jews went miles out of their way to go around Samaria to avoid coming into contact with any Samaritans. The Jews, let me put it this way, they hated the Samaritans. They were considered to be an inferior race because they were descended from Jews who had intermarried with Gentiles that had been placed in the land by the Assyrians. But thank God that Jesus does not operate like other men. He did not care about her heritage. He didn't care about the hatred they had of others. He didn't care about racial lines drawn by ignorant men. Jesus operates in the realm of grace. He went to that place and sat at that well because he wants to save this poor woman. Even his disciples were shocked by what Jesus had done. If Jesus had acted like any other Jew, he would have passed this woman and her town completely by. You know, if, if you and I got what we deserved, 
we would have never gotten a second look from God. He looks at us through eyes of love and grace. He's not blind to our sin because it's our sin that separates us from him. But his grace bridges the gap between us and him, and it brings him near to us so that he can offer salvation to me and to you. Jesus works with this woman patiently. He took her from where he found her and gently he leads her to where he needs her to be. He brought her to a place where she was ready to hear about him and hear about who he was. Then when he revealed who he was to her, she was at a place where she was ready to believe in him. Jesus promised this woman that he could give her a drink of living water. He promised her that this water that he had would satisfy her in the depths of her soul. I want to imagine that this probably appealed to her. You you see, she's tried all other types of physical relationships to satisfy the deep longings of her soul, and they've all left her empty and thirsty. Sex had not satisfied her. Marriage had failed five times to satisfy her. Living in the depths of sin on the fringes of society had failed to bring her happiness. And here, Jesus offers her an opportunity to find everything she's been looking for merely by receiving his offer as a gift. I mean, where are we going to search for happiness? You see, Almost always when we're looking for happiness, we're looking outside of us. You know, some people I come across have their hopes set on romantic love. Some on career, some on politics or some sort of social cause. Some on money and what having a lot of money can do for us. But whatever it is that makes us say, if I have that, then you know, I'll be someone, or if I get that, I'll know that I'm significant. If I have that, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have security. What Jesus is saying here, he's saying, there is nothing outside of us that can truly satisfy the thirst that is deep within us. Jesus is saying, you don't need water splashed on your face. You need water that, that, that comes from an even deeper place inside you than the thirst itself. And then Jesus is saying, I can give you that. I can give you absolute, unimaginable satisfaction in your, the core of your being, regardless of what happens outside of you, regardless of your circumstances. But you see, there's something that gets in the way of us hearing what Jesus is saying. Most of us cannot recognize that thirst down deep in our souls. You see, as long as we think that there is some chance that we will achieve some of our dreams, as long as we think we have some shot at success, 
then we will be oblivious to that thirst that is deep within our soul. This woman at the well, however, she is under no such illusion. She says to Jesus, what is this living water? Give it to me. Jesus then turns the tables on her and says, sure, go get your husband. She replies, I don't have a husband. Now you're right, Jesus says, you've had five husbands. And the man you are with right now, he's not your husband. I mean, what's Jesus doing here? I mean, is he trying to humiliate her? No. Jesus is saying to her, if you want to understand the nature of this living water that I offer, you need to first understand how you have been seeking it on your own in your own life. You've been seeking it through men, and it's not working for you. And your need of men is eating you alive. Well, at this point, the woman is shocked by his knowledge of her life. The woman was impressed. She says, sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but... You Jews claim that the place where you must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus says, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kinds of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman says, I know the Messiah is coming and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. And just then his disciples return. And they're surprised to find Jesus at the well talking with a woman. But not one of them asked why he was doing this. Then leaving her water jar, the woman goes back to the town and she tells the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Is it possible? Could this be the Christ? The people of the town make their way towards Jesus. Many of these Samaritans, the Bible says, believed in him because of this woman's testimony. They urged Jesus to stay with them and he stayed two days and because of his words, many more Samaritans became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. What a wonderful story of redemption. Jesus reaches out to this Samaritan woman and then this Samaritan woman 
reaches out to the people in her village. I think there's something here we need to take note of. The most effective messengers of the gospel are real people who have had their lives transformed. Now, obviously, people who are phony in their witness to Christ are not going to be effective. None of us will tolerate for long someone who is just an outright phony. The most effective messengers of the gospel are real people who have had their lives transformed. Now, maybe you're watching right now and you're saying, you know, that your witness for Christ might not be very effective because of something you did at some point in your life. And maybe at some point in your life, you messed up. And as a result, you believe God can't use me. Actually, it's the exact opposite. Most people today are turned off by what they call super saints. Most people want to hear from somebody whose faith has been tested, who knows what it is to experience God's grace. And that's who Jesus wants to have share his faith. Real people, real men and women like, like you and I, who have had their lives transformed by his power. Are you among that number? Have you had a deep failure at some time in your life and have found in that experience that God's promises are real, that God can forgive, that God can restore? If so, you have an obligation to share your story with others. Maybe you're watching me right now and, and maybe at this very moment you are going through a time of failure or a time of pain, don't shrink back from Jesus. He, he's reaching out to you right now, and he's saying to you, my grace is sufficient for you. I died that you might live. Accept my gift of love today. Maybe you're watching me today, and you're saying, listen, I know I'm a morally good person, I don't do bad things. And really, Bill, that should be enough. There may be a God. I don't know for sure. But that shouldn't matter because I am a good person. Morally, I'm upright. I do good things. Well, Timothy Keller tells this story. He says, imagine a widow had a son for whom she sacrifices so that he can attend good schools and attend a great university. It's a real sacrifice for that widow because she is a woman of very slender means. As she's raising her son, she says to him, son, I want you to live a good life. I want you to always tell the truth. I want you to always work hard. I want you to care for the poor. And that young man goes off to school, graduates from this great university, goes off into his career and his life, and he never speaks to his mother or ever spends time with her. He may send her a card on her birthday, but he never visits. He never calls her. And so what if you went and asked him about his relationship with his mother? And he responds, 
Well, no, I don't have anything to do with her personally. But, you know, I always tell the truth. I always work hard. I care for the poor. I've lived a good life, and that's all that matters, isn't it? Well, I doubt any of us would be happy with that answer. You see, because it's not enough for that man to merely live a moral life, even though that's what his mother desired. It's not right that he do that without having any kind of relationship with her. His behavior, in fact, is reprehensible because, in fact, everything he has, she gave him. He owes her more than just a moral life. He owes her more than just a card on her birthday. He owes her his love and his loyalty. So, if there is a God, and I believe there is, well, we owe him literally everything. If there is a God, and I believe there is, we owe him more than just a moral life. If you build your life on your career or your spouse or on your money or even on your morality and it fails, then there is no hope for you. If your career fails you and you find yourself at middle-aged, 51, 52, out of work, your career can't forgive you. It can only punish you. But Jesus is the only one that if you accept him, he will satisfy you. And if you fail him, he will forgive you. Your career, your money, your spouse, none of those things can die for your sins. This woman moved from not knowing Jesus to proclaiming him as the Messiah. She looks and she sees that he is the answer to that need in her soul. How did she make that progression from antagonism to acceptance? Well, she was, a, she was led along gently by our Lord. He brought her from knowing nothing about him to ultimately seeing him as her only hope in just a few minutes. It's a work of grace. If you and I ever expect to be saved, we have to come to the point in our lives where we understand that Jesus Christ is our only hope. If we will follow the light the Lord gives us, He's going to lead us to that place. My Bible says there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Acts 4, verse 12. It's because Jesus died that you and I can be born again. Seeing what Jesus did and why he did it will turn our hearts away from those things that enslave us towards him in worship. That's the gospel. That's it.
it's the same for Samaritans, Canadians, skeptics, believers, and everyone in between. Let us pray. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus, his death on the cross of Calvary, his spilt blood that cleanses us of all unrighteousness, that we may come boldly before your throne, receive your grace and forgiveness. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you draw near to those right now that are calling out to Jesus in acceptance as their personal Savior. Bless each and every viewer. Forgive us where we have failed you. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a special offer today for all of our viewers. It's this uh, special edition of the Signs of the Times magazine. It's called The Benefits of Belief. It has some wonderful articles in here. We'd love to send it to you. Uh, we'll send it to you, postage paid. No obligation whatsoever on your part. All you have to do is let us know that you want it. Here's the information you need to get your special copy of Signs of the Times magazine. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. There you will find information on how to order today's offer. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G, 0A3, and we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Common Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. You can also order this offer by calling 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. I want to thank you for joining us uh, this week. We've come to the end of another program. A couple of things I want to remind you of before we leave. The website, l4ltv.com. On the website, you have... Uh, previous programs. If you've missed any of the programs, you can watch them there. You can share them with your friends also. Uh, you can find out where I'll be appearing live. Um, most Saturdays, you can find me at the Harmony Church, 89 Center Avenue in Toronto. There's a link there on the website that gives you directions to the church. You can also uh, request Bible studies or send a prayer request if you need just praying for a special thing in your life. Uh, don't forget our Facebook page. You can follow me on Twitter at Santos underscore Bill. Uh, for those of you that choose to call our 1-800 number, I want to ask for your patience because our volunteers may not be able to get to you right away when you call. 
And so sometimes it goes into voicemail. Don't worry, leave a voicemail because as soon as we get that, we will follow up with you uh, with a call and uh, get you whatever information you need or pray with you. I hope we have this opportunity to be back again next week. Until then, I'll be praying that God bless you. We'll see you real soon. Take care.